0: need some motivation on your Chinese business endeavour, may be curious about what the Chinese business environment is all about, or want to laugh out loud listening to war stories on the ground in China, then this is your show, China Business Cast. Okay, everybody, thank you for tuning in to another China Business Cast. We are at episode number 75, late in December 2017. How are you doing, Shlomo?
1: I'm great and not jet anymore from Portugal, but um, still being very hectic with the landing and doing all sorts of stuff, um, like uh, meeting Josh next to me, who just came into Israel for a few days. And this is the first time that we're doing a three people intro, so we're uh, it's kind of special for us. Uh, hey, Josh. Hey, hey. Excited to be here. First time in Israel. This has been a great trip. So why are you here? came for the Video Trends for 2018 conference that was put on here in Tel Aviv this week. And I was hosting a panel there and then doing a workshop yesterday on how to build your personal brand through video. That was really an awesome uh, workshop. I was there uh, it was very informative. And the other people coming there were also like, really good. So that was a really couple of good hours of, of good information for the stuff that uh, we've been working on.
0: And also, Josh, we can hear Josh did a great interview on China Business Cast back in episode 58. I just looked it up to make sure uh, about being yeah. Yeah, influencer differences in China and the overseas world. So well, it was- definitely check out his show on our...
1: That was a year ago, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Time flies. So we finally meet in Israel. <laughs> Mike, how are you preparing
0: for the holidays? Yeah, it's always uh, it's always interesting. You know, I, I'm... Uh, i'm uh not as practicing as i should be but i'm a cat born raised a christian catholic and christmas is i don't know if it's politically correct to say anymore but yeah it's holidays and it's always strange in china there's not much of a christmas or a holiday josh. feel and uh just gonna be laying low just preparing to go to the u.s for chinese new year in february so
1: oh okay josh how are you preparing is it different for you as well yeah, so I'm Mormon, so also Christian, and we're celebrating Christmas in China this year. We had a uh, Christmas party with our local congregation, and then we do a sort of dinner in Bethlehem thing with our family, with our kids, and we do the Christmas tree and the presents and all that standard stuff. And so, yeah, so we're prepping and trying to get some stuff to surprise the kids with. Nice. Cool, so it's now Hanukkah here, and uh, we're we're celebrating lighting candles like yesterday. Uh, Josh joined us so it was uh, it was really a lot of fun we went to eat falafel but that's not part of the celebration <laughs> it's part of my celebration <laughs> that's how I celebrate yeah that's how Josh celebrates <laughs> so it was nice so uh, yeah the Hanukkah is like eight days so uh, so this is today's the third day and uh, we're lighting candles every day and we eat uh, some traditional foods so yeah fun times
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's always that's what makes that's the pro and a con at the same time. It's it's awesome doing international business with all these different cultures and, and backgrounds, but at the same time it's not the same as being in your you know, your home country during a holiday. Let's go for uh, for our guests. Sure. So this was an interview I did when I was up in Shanghai for the uh chat conference and I got a chance to get on the show Drew Kierhoff. From Yoli, he's a co-founder. We actually had one of his other partners on the show, James, in the previous episodes. And this one's a little bit more, kind of more technical. He's a very, very uh, intelligent technical developer, uh, American in China. Many years speaks Chinese and, and uh, develops with the Chinese team. So we, we really kind of go into a very interesting, a little bit of his story about Yoli, which is a which is a translation a learning app for uh, English and Chinese, and also differences of Facebook and WeChat and QR code usage in China versus America or overseas, and, and a lot of really interesting insights, I think, that listeners will, will enjoy. Cool. One more
1: thing before we go on with the show. Um, so we have our Patreon campaign running. Running. So we ask you guys, if you want to support the show, go to ChinaBusinessCast.com slash support. Uh, you reach our patreon page where there are different perks for people who, who uh support the shows the show uh in different amounts you can look it up there find the one that you uh, you, you are uh, connected to and uh that would really help us uh, going on and make uh, produce more episodes so thank you for that
0: yeah thanks the on with the show. Nice. and thanks for our current supporters too we appreciate it
1: awesome on with the show tune in
0: Alright, here again from the chat conference here in Shanghai, getting towards the end. It's a Friday afternoon, we're sunny in here in Shanghai, and we have with us
2: one of the founders of Yoli. Hey guys, it's Drew, Drew. and uh, we're out here in Shanghai for the chat conference. Pretty great conference. Uh, It's my second time out here, the second annual event. I remember the first one was in Beijing um, last year. And then there was one in Shanghai and then this is the second one. So I'm really impressed with uh, how everything is going. A lot of people. So
0: yeah, it seems like it's getting bigger and better. Our friend Matt does a great job in China Channel. He's got a good team now. And
2: yeah, hats off to Matt. He's doing an awesome job. Yeah. So you came down from Beijing? I came down from Beijing. I'm in Beijing. I've been in Beijing for six years. Basically, after graduating college, I came straight to Beijing. And I've been in Beijing for six years, um, started out in online food delivery, kind of back a long time ago when there were really no even smartphones in China. This was 2011. And um, there were Sherpas. I'm not sure if you've heard of Sherpas, yeah, I remember. but Sherpas is really big in Shanghai. There's yeah, no Sherpas huge. in Beijing. And even back then, it was just uh, like calling, picking up the telephone and calling for your order. So we built a online food delivery website called Jin Zhisong. And uh, that's kind of how I got into startups and uh, kind of the online ecosystem in China. Very cool. And that was back in 2011, 2012. And then after that, I got into mobile gaming. So I started working at a company called Yoda One on the BD side and really helping game developers publish their games in China. Because back then, um, a lot of Western game developers were trying to bring their games into China. But the biggest issue was the distribution on Android. So there were hundreds of different um, Android channels. And to integrate things like payments, you had to use carrier payments, which consisted of up to four different carrier billing SDKs. Mm, so those. we did a lot of uh, integration work for games. So i went okay. to source code, and then basically optimizing the game for China, and then distributing it through all the different Android channels. And then finally, um, on iOS, and uh, so I was on the BD side and then I moved over to the product side and I managed a game called Crossy Road. Um, it was a uh, Google Play game of the year 2015 and um, over 100 million downloads worldwide. Wow. So it was a really, it was a huge hit. Um, I managed the Google Play version, uh, the Microsoft version, and then the China version. Very cool. So that was really fun. And then basically, I got into WeChat in 2015, about yep. two years ago. Yeah. Um. Basically, when we saw payments hitting everywhere, <laughs> I remember I was in. Uh, every time I'd go downstairs, I would go into a new restaurant and pay with WeChat payments, and soon I didn't have to put my wallet anymore. I was like, "Wow, there's so many like WeChat payments is taking over." I I, I just remember like when WeChat really hit me, I had seen an official account, and. I wasn't really using official accounts back then, I was still using apps, but I was using WeChat for primarily payments and also just obviously communication. Mm-hmm. And I'd open a one specific official account and realized that it was a web app. Basically they all of the menu buttons opened up web pages and from then I realized I could just make a very simple web app um, using WeChat official account and payments. And then I wouldn't have to do all this integration on Android. Yeah. I wouldn't have to do iOS. I wouldn't have to do um, any of the main issues that you have developing an app. And then this like instant distribution for like MVP testing with your friends and setting on new moments. So that's when I realized like, wow, I really want to do something on WeChat. Uh, begin developing for WeChat. And back then, we didn't really have any ideas of of what to do. It kind of took some some time of uh, fermenting uh, yeah. deep down. And, um, basically I was at Yoda one and for Yoli, we have two other co-founders. There's three co-founders, myself, James and Luke. And Lu- Luke is, uh, he has his own English teaching company in China called Cloud English. And he was in Dalian at the time. And James was also a co-founder of Yoda one, the yeah. gaming company is working. So we'd often see ourselves in the halls talking about WeChat. What are we going to do on WeChat? We should do something in WeChat, We is stop doing apps. And because we were thinking, like, you know, the future is really going to be built on WeChat. Um, there's no reason to be building apps right now. Because uh, we had been doing mobile gaming apps for the past three years. And um, so we basically met and we're like, what we want to do is WeChat on demand, peer to peer, and um, find a way to basically leverage the social network of WeChat and payments to create something that is really, that's basically on demand and peer-to-peer, like I was mentioning. So then we thought of just doing English because it's a huge market in China and it would be kind of the first way to learn English on demand without having to um, basically reserve a time in advance and also without having to use your computer or a phone to do uh, like video or or the call. Um, We just thought that it would be awesome if you could push a button and then be able to distribute all of those students across teachers. The teachers are also on WeChat. And then to do the entire class of real content, not just free talk or chat, but real class content directly through our official account. Very cool. So in the early days, it was really about figuring out how do we create the UI and UX and uh, the experience of taking a class in WeChat because this obviously didn't exist. And how would we, ha- how would we enable that um, to have teachers basically pick up these orders? So we wound up connecting the enterprise official account, the EOA, with the official account of a service account. So obviously there's subscription accounts, service accounts, enterprise official accounts and mini apps now. Back then we decided to um, use official accounts and enterprise accounts and and we linked them together. And that's how we actually did the uh, first MVP of of, of the product of Yoli. And we wanted to focus on 15 minute classes because 15 minutes is uh it's a good chunk of time. Everyone has 15 minutes in their day, especially tutors, um, because our tutors are on demand. They're not they're not on the clock. They're not paid hourly. They're paid by class. So 15 minutes. I remember when I was taking some of the classes in the beginning. It's like a, a student would come in. It'd be you know, like noon or whenever, and I'd be like, oh, 15 minutes, I got 15 minutes. Yeah. But the second that you say half an hour or 45 minutes, it's like you got to start blocking off time in your day. And that's why we wanted to keep the classes at 15 minutes. Uh, later on, we added 25-minute classes as well. So 15 minutes and 25 minutes. And we found that that was just the optimal time um, for people who are busier during the day to either take a class if you're learning or teach a class if you're a tutor. Got it.
0: Yeah, it's like the gig economy. I, I, I you know there's you know there's like popular ones in the west like Fiverr and Upwork. well Upwork's not really gig but yeah like these whole micro tasks micro work exactly yeah it's yep. awesome
2: so it's kind of like micro learning um in uh, short amounts of time when you have time mm-hmm. you can teach a class and. We decided to do everything in WeChat just because, you know, in China, if you're you're living in China as a foreigner, or obviously if you're Chinese, you're in WeChat all the time. It's basically the home screen. So, you know, you're already in WeChat, you get the WeChat notification that there's a student waiting. If you're a teacher, you just tap it and bam, you're in the class. Um, We send all of the materials to the teacher uh, server side. So it just pops up in WeChat and you just send tasks in uh, automatically. So you don't have to do any preparation in advance. Uh, we know exactly what class the student is taking, and those tasks are sent to the the, the teacher, and then they just basically practice pronunciation, vocabulary, um, speaking tasks, and it's very easy for the student to to listen and type any messages that they have issues with. Perfect.
0: So then, yeah, that's cool. So you, at the beginning, you didn't, you you knew, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people see the future futures WeChat even early, you know, like, and you guys did catch it. Pretty early, you seem like a, you're a developer, right? So that's a, how I yeah how te- how technical is 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 developing on WeChat? I mean
2: yeah. So on WeChat, it's um, some of the issues that you might run into are um, just with the APIs. So it's basically figuring out how to leverage the existing APIs um, and basically the messaging APIs to allow you to send you know different messages, uh, voice and text, and then redirecting them across accounts and. Once you figure that out, you basically have a messaging system um, that works on top of WeChat through the official accounts and goes through your server. So it's really about just being able to leverage those APIs and then create uh, the right sort of system that can manage and handle all the different sessions and the and the users. And then basically, you can do a lot of custom stuff from there. Very cool. And
0: how did you how did you test? You said you, you were even doing some of the classes yourself and then you were... How did you get the word out at the beginning?
2: In the beginning, we actually had some other um, apps that people were using. And we were we had tons of friends learning languages in there, especially English. And a lot of Chinese students are just really interested to try new things. So yeah. there were other apps um, that we kind of already knew lots of people within. And we just told them, like, hey, try this WeChat official account. And then also on Moments. And um, that kind of got our first, you know, like couple hundred students. And then it just spreads like pretty fast because of uh, word of mouth marketing and people posting on their Moments. So even now, the majority of students, it comes from word of mouth, like friends telling friends. And then also people posting on Moments, they click it. And it's just a super easy entrance point because you see that Moments, you click it. Or you scan a QR code, bam, you're in the account. You push start class and you're in a class within, you know, a minute. So it's really fast and it's super efficient because you don't need to leave WeChat. You're always in WeChat. And that's what we... That's in kind of the beginning stages when we were thinking about the look and the feel. We really wanted to make it feel native to WeChat. We just mm. wanted to make you feel like, oh, wow, WeChat made this this app for studying English. And we wanted to, it to really feel like, a, like native to WeChat and feel just exactly like WeChat, like you're not leaving the platform. Okay. And we just felt that was, that was important because if you're already in WeChat and you can take your class and not have to leave and you're still getting all of your other messages or whatever, we just feel like that it's a continuous user experience. And with all these other apps, you know, you have to log in, you have to, you have to you're either going to use Facebook or Google or WeChat to log into the apps or you create a new account. And going from app to app is just a super kind of like a feeling that I just really don't like in China anymore. Like I would never, I can't even imagine. Even two years ago, I was telling people like in the future, in the future, there's no way people are gonna open Baidu to search. Yeah, you know I mean to leave WeChat and then to open up, you know, a browser and search. There's no way. Yeah, and now it's like WeChat's really pushing search, right? Yeah, we've So it's you. only gonna get more and more open. You're gonna get the official accounts and the mini apps displaying in the in the search results. And then it's just like you know the beginning of the web all over again, isn't that? amazing? mean, and it's WeChat is really basically the new, like basically a new form of the web. Uh, yeah. They're really rewriting the web um, and the entire experience because within a mini app, you know, you can't actually uh, direct towards any website, you know, because it's not the typical HTML CSS. Um, so it's like you got everything's being rewritten by Tencent and it's very interesting. It's, it's cool, but sometimes you get a little nervous about the walled garden. But I think it's very interesting innovation that's occurring right now. And just the ability to um, create something from zero to one, I think, is really the, the biggest thing for, for WeChat. But in terms of the whole new search experience... And payments experience and uh, the chat experience, and then on top of that, just all the new services are going to start springing up. Um, it's going to take some more time, I think, for the mini apps to get opened. Um, they're still a bit closed off, but you know, once they start showing up in the search results, and you type in anything into WeChat, and it's just going to pop up all of the relevant search accounts or all the relevant mini apps are just going to pop up there, and it's going to be um, only more and more streamlined. I think.
0: I agree. I mean, I. I wouldn't want to be Baidu. I was talking to something about it yesterday. And I think they're trying to do AR, VR or or AI or something, I heard. I don't know. But yeah, I think the B might go out of BAT or something. Let's see.
2: Yeah, it's just within WeChat, you know, I just use uh, Jingdong for for all my shopping. Mm -hmm. Um, Just their mini app is really great. So... Um, I don't ever use, I don't really ever use Taobao, um, I'm, I just try and use WeChat as much as possible, yeah. even buying my plane tickets, uh, my hotel, everything is just done through the mini-app yeah. or through Jingdong or literally everything that I do is within WeChat. I can't really think of too many things that I use outside of WeChat, uh, Mobike is in WeChat with the mini-app, so basically 90, over 90% of everything I do is right there, and the the entire business also runs in it as well, so all of our data, everything is just right within the EOA, you know, you can have, um, you can create these apps within the EOA of your WeChat, so, you know, all of your data, like, metrics, KPIs that you're tracking, classes, all of my email, everything is right there, so I just open up our account, and bam, I've got everything that I need just straight from my phone.
1: Like the China Business Cast and want to get involved? We have special offers for supporters of the show, starting from just 1 US dollar and up. We have something for everyone. Check out all the different ways to engage at www.chinabusinesscast.com/support. That's www.chinabusinesscast.com/support.
0: Thanks. So I, yeah, so on the business side as a, as a as an app on in WeChat, what kind of data do you do you guys get or see about your users?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'll just keep it simple, but obviously the data that you get from WeChat that's automatic when the user uh, adds your official account and follows you, you get um, basically their basic profile information, you know, profile picture, their nickname, uh, location, male, female, gender, and, but you can get more information in terms of anything else that they fill out when they apply. So like when they take a class, before they start the class, their very first trial class, we get information like why do you want to study English? Perfect. Um, what level are you? And um, what sort of, how have you studied English in the past? And basic questionnaires like that, you can obviously start to generate more data about the individual applicant. You can ask for their phone number and get their phone number and send an SMS verification. And once they start taking classes, the interesting thing that we're doing now is with the voice. So we do voice-to-text transcripts, and we get the, what we're working on is what we call HI-to-AI. So HI is... Um, you know, you see a lot of bots out on the market right yeah. now. And it's like the English bots are really, really boring. They're not very engaging yeah. or very interesting. So from what we like, what, what the, the reason why I would say HIT is because it's human to human on the front end. So you take a class with a human and that's just more engaging and more interesting. That allows us to get more voice data. That voice data goes through the through the back end yeah. with a lot of machine learning and wow. some other stuff. And we do the voice to text transcript and we can generate class transcripts for every single class and then once we get the text we can create word buckets for all the students okay and once we get the word buckets we can analyze the words that both the teachers and the students are speaking we can look at their vocabulary sizes we can look at the difficulty of the words that they're speaking we can look at pronunciation issues we can parse out pronunciation issues and then give recommendations on hey this is the class that you just spoke. It was about traveling. These were the words that you spoke correctly. These were the words that you spoke incorrectly. Nice. And uh, they can go back and listen word by word to the transcript. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting because, you know, for the teacher, it's just word by word is basically perfect. Uh, it picks up like perfect transcribe. And then with the students, um, depending on their skill, the words will just start getting messed up. So it's very clear where the pronunciation issues are. And right now it's really just about guessing the correct word and giving them a suggestion like you said you said this word but it sounded like this and they can go into what we're working on right now is a mini app where they can go and practice all of the words that they yeah so the it class. keeps track right? so basically for the mini app for us it's, it's it's a vocabulary word bucket where you practice words and all of the words that you spoke in the class get filled into the mini app and then you can collect words. Collecting a word just means that you spoke it within the class. And then if you spoke it incorrectly, then, then you can practice it. And once you've once once, once you said the word correctly, uh, it gets added into your word bucket. So then we've got all of these words spoken by all of these students, and then we can look at all the different error groups across all of our students, and then create custom learning modules um, in either H5 or in MiniApp to address those specific issues.
0: Okay, I like it. Hi
2: to Hi AI to AI. So that's kind of the core loop that we're looking at. Because um, yeah. even people building bots are are interested in the data. Um, because our classes are are almost similar to a bot. They're task based. So you ask a task. Uh, the task is kind of it could be a question like, "What did you do over the weekend?" Talk about it in detail, and then you will start talking about your weekend. Um, or it might ask you to read a passage, and then you read the passage. So we have the text, you know, we have the data of what the student should say when they're doing a pronunciation. And then it's very, in that case, it's very easy to, uh, to basically correlate what they said with what they should have said. So those scores are really accurate. Um, and so basically, we're just trying to figure out ways to... Um, make it very easy for the student to identify their speaking issues because Yoli is a speaking platform. Yeah. And by doing the the voice to text and the machine learning, we're generating a lot of interesting data I can um, imagine, yeah, and yeah. giving very specific and, and targeted feedback back to the student on their pronunciation issues.
0: This is cool. So you seem happy. You seem very localized. You're, you know, you're live, you're doing everything inside WeChat. Uh, you're you're in Beijing. Uh, do you even keep track of what's happening outside of China? or
2: you? Yeah, yeah, you got to definitely keep track of what's happening outside of China. I think the most, and this is already outdated, but I remember going back to, um, I was in uh, San Francisco in the okay. Valley area sure. in April for okay. a Facebook uh, F8 conference. Oh, you and uh, there's also a WeChat conference out there. And it was just interesting going to F8 because the QR codes, the Facebook QR codes were <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and um, just the use case was exactly like China, you know, scan the QR code and get today's schedule, just like the chat, just yep. like the chat event today. You know, you scan the QR code, you get the schedule, you get all the speakers, you get all the information. It's very easy to centralize all that just from your phone. Um, and then you know, speakers that were presenting, they would have the speakers QR code, and you scan it and learn about the about the. So it's it's very interesting to see kind of that that transfer from the the QR code over here to the qr code over to facebook but yeah i mean uh, the in terms of qr codes i think the biggest issue is in the west is you see a qr code but what do you use to scan it it's very that's difficult. what i've what, always what wondered use, for right? so many years so um it, it would have been cool to support it natively in the camera um if if apple or android would have done that early you know they they could have just enabled the, yeah, the, it directly natively comforting? from the camera yeah. and then open up like a uh, on Android, it would have been cool if it was like a progressive web app or something. You scan it and phew, pops up. you know? yeah. Uh Just suggested apps, you know, exactly. and then you can pull open and pop open the app right there and do something cool. It's but true. yeah, I'm not really sure um, what what QR codes are. I don't. I don't think they'll ever be a big thing in the West. Um, it's hard to say because there's no app that centralizes it at all, and it's like the user experience is so fragmented. For me, the most difficult thing going back is obviously, I mean, it's what everyone talks about, is the fragmentation of apps. So many apps, so many messaging apps, and everyone's on a different app. So it's like...
0: Even Facebook has like how many apps?
2: Yeah, a lot of apps. So WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook Messenger. It's like... um, Groups. I think they phased that out, a a Facebook groups app, but... Yeah, so it's like every time I go home, I'm trying to find my friends. and It's like email me, Skype me, mm-hmm. Facebook me, Facebook message me. Uh, I never have had to use WhatsApp, so that's awesome.
0: Never um, really. I never used WhatsApp. I, I had to. Yeah. I had to still I'm stuck on it
2: a little yeah. bit. Yeah, thank God I didn't have to do that. Obviously, all the communication with my family is on WeChat. Nice the video calls and that's. Yeah, I call my
0: parents and yeah. they watch my kids and WeChat video. Yeah, I, you know how I did that. I had to buy a phone in Hong Kong, install WeChat, verify it with a Hong Kong number, and then mail it to my parents. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. That's intense. I had to put arrows, press here, yeah. press here. Yeah, they don't use much tech. So, okay. But yeah. it works. They keep it. It's like a tablet. Like, you know, I got a cheap tablet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but they figured it, they know how to use it now. Now, yeah, it's user friendly. Yeah, it's like, user-friendly. They have it, yeah,
2: it's the most user friendly app I can imagine. I mean, uh, if old people. You know in their in their 60s 70s and 80s can use the app you know it's obviously very intuitive and easy to use and i think that's really contributed to a lot of this, uh, the success that's so simple sure i mean when i look at snapchat it's just like
0: i remember so the first to, time i, I used snapchat i was like
2: oh man i must be getting old because i have no idea how yeah, to use I, this. I didn't either so i'm not uh, like living in china you're definitely segregated um from like Uh, Where you grew up from so if I saw like teenagers using snapchat obviously they'd be like I just feel like that old person coming over asking Hey, how do you use this, but yeah, it's cool But I don't really get to use it very often being in China So I've just been focused really on WeChat and uh, we also did integration on Facebook so because you can learn English and Chinese so for, if you want to learn Chinese, you can use Facebook Messenger, mm-hmm. um, the only account on Facebook Messenger. Oh, really? And we nice. can connect that to WeChat Fine. so that our um, teacher is in, we- is in China on WeChat, oh. the student's on Facebook Messenger. Um, so now, you know, our original, original strategy was to start out on um, kind of our MVP was in WeChat. And now we are looking at um, basically integrating into other apps directly. Okay. So an app can integrate our SDK. And then they have on-demand, an on-demand tutor engine within their app. So just to give an example, like let's say you're Duolingo and you just finish a, a, a Spanish lesson. And um, there's a button that pops up. It says, you finished this lesson. Would you like to practice with a native speaker? You could just push that button and then bam. Um, it would ping all of our teachers who teach Spanish. Sure. Um, and then you could go into an on-demand class right I mean, then and there. And the student would be in Duolingo. The teacher would be in Facebook or in uh, WeChat or in any uh, or our own teaching app or yeah. within, um, even on the, like a web browser on their computer. Well, so we're really looking to be everywhere. The um, water. Just to basically integrate into everything. Yeah. And then um, we may make our own app someday but it's just been more about integrating into already existing ecosystems. Yeah. You know these ecosystems already have users, they already have content. Why don't we just put our we're we're a teaching solution so why don't we just put our solution there? Yeah. And then that way we don't have to, you know, fight for users, uh, create content. We can just exist within these ecosystems already so that's kind of been our strategy from day one
0: that is yeah definitely WeChat you, you, you said you saw WeChat opportunity got on it it's, it makes me think of Bruce Lee quote uh, be the water be the water yeah, yeah. it's like what you guys maybe could use too or you are following Yeah. so so uh, yeah we're getting towards the end I know you're busy here we got some more speakers and networking but um, for people listening I, I don't know about you but I always talk to people struggling to figure out foreigners trying to figure out how to develop on WeChat or I think they have an English ABC. Sure. They have English yeah, now. It's,
2: it's a bit easier now with the English documentation. Yeah. Uh, back when we started yeah, it was you, all in Chinese yeah. so you had to be able to read Chinese and um, and we also found that the Chinese documentation would get updated much faster than Definitely. the English documentation. So, uh, Or there just wouldn't be certain documentations <laughs> in the English that were in the Chinese. So I never I've never really even looked at the English documentation. It's, I've only looked at the Chinese documentation. Okay. Um so but people looking to get started out, if you're serious about China, I would try and recommend uh, learning Chinese. Definitely. It's really the first step. Yeah. Um l- without being able to speak Chinese, it's really difficult to understand the culture. Mm-hmm. Um foreigners, you'll you'll always be a foreigner no matter exactly. how good your Chinese is. Like there's no getting across that but um, just being able to speak to people, going into meetings and, and do the meeting in Chinese, be able to write emails in Chinese, um, be in other WeChat groups with other Chinese, all in Chinese. Uh, that's kind of when you get into like the real current. Um, and like Yoli would would have been impossible, not impossible, but like, everyone that works at Yoli is Chinese, yeah. Yeah. so I can't even imagine trying to build it from day one without being able to speak speak and write and read Chinese. It would have been very difficult because uh, our developers are all Chinese. So it's just much easier, you know, WeChat will push an update, it's all in Chinese, right? Um, if you can't read Chinese, then you got to rely on other people to either translate it for you or... Try and translate it yourself, but you can't read it, so it's exactly. very difficult for you to find it. Exactly. Um, being able to search, I found that as your Chinese gets better, you can start searching in Chinese for information. Yep. Um, that really helps as well. And then just asking other people. So, step one with that, if you're serious about China, learn Chinese. Yep. And uh, step two, use Yoli. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can try out Yoli and just try out lots of different official accounts, lots of different mini apps, and just try and be creative. It's really about leveraging what already exists, but thinking of creative ways um, to integrate <laughs> um, or connect things that haven't been connected. Usually everything already exists out there. No, you're not reinventing the wheel, you're just thinking of a new way to redevise or re scheme or reconnect something and then add value on top of that great thanks so much
0: drew so how can people find you guys you have at least a website or <laughs> yeah
2: oh yeah we actually have a website <laughs> we we didn't have a website for a while um because i i don't even know if in china you don't i don't even think you really use websites anymore everyone's on their phones yeah i don't think so, so uh, we were like why would we make a website but um yes yeah just yolichat.com Okay. And then we have a teacher recruiting site. So if you want to sign up to be a tutor and teach classes, um, you can just search on Google for Yoli, Yoli Chat. And then on WeChat, you can just search for um, Yoli Yingyu, Y-O-L-I-Y-I-N-G-Y-U, Yoli Yingyu. And then for Chinese, it's Yoli Mandarin is our uh, Chinese account. You can learn Mandarin Chinese. With native Chinese speakers. Very
0: cool, man. Very cool. Best. I mean, I don't think anymore, well, wishes you guys are doing really great, but I, I continue to see you grow and uh, it's awesome. So thanks so much,
2: Drew, for sharing with everyone. Yeah, thanks. It's been great. Awesome. Yeah, see you guys. Cheers.
0: Doing business in China is a complex world. You can quickly feel alone and lost in its maze. But don't worry, China Business Cast is here for you. Sign up for our newsletter and regular updates on our website at www.chinabusinesscast.com. Thanks for
1: tuning in.